then brings us what we're doing on this week and what we do in our daily life is to really get underneath all this kind of conceptual framework that our mind spins, you know, cults of individualism, various meanings of life, different systems of understanding it, and we go directly into investigating the present moment as it is, pre-concept, pre-concepts. You can conceptualise after it, that's fine. But most of us never really take the time out just to look into the present moment as it is. That's what we're doing during this session. Just um, prior to the session on the way up, um, Peter was telling me about a, a concept um, uh, comes out of attachment theory called the circle of security, which is a very interesting little model. Um, it's simply a, a way of teaching parents how to parent in a healthy kind of way. And it's symbolised by two hands and a kind of a circle like that. On the one hand, the, um, it's about the parent um, encouraging, allowing the child to go out and explore, to move away from the parent out into the world and explore and enjoy their exploration. And on the other hand, they come back um, to a, a place of security, a refuge, where they can hold on again you know, and be secure. And then they can go off again, come back, go off, come back. And as Peter was pointing out, this is um, a biological model. It's what we see amongst mammals. Whales, not just human beings. Um, it's put forward as a kind of a healthy model of um, attachment. Um, and that's where we all start. We, we, we need to be able to, even in our kind of Dharma practice, um, we can use that same metaphor. We kind of need a connection with a teacher or a group or whatever, which is our, our refuge, you know, or even in the teachings, which are a refuge. Um, but we're kind of, if it's healthy, we're kind of encouraged to go off and explore. We're given skills and we go off and explore and make mistakes or we enjoy what we're doing, then we can come back again to a refuge. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're to progress in our practice, um, ultimately we have those skills and we go off and we just explore the world with those skills. Mm-hmm. Like a, a, a child leaves home, you know, they've, they've got it all. Um, like a whale, you know, like a baby whale learns different survival skills around, around the mother whale and it goes off a little bit and comes back. But once it's got those skills then it's free to travel the whole wide ocean by itself. Mm-hmm. Either be with a pod or not be with a pod. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way with our, our, our Dharma practice, um, we, can get, we can get stuck in an unhealthy kind of attachment as well. Um, one of the ways I think that happens is where um, it doesn't particularly happen in, in this tradition. Maybe we, maybe we are on the side of encouraging independence too quickly. But um, in some traditions, they, they, people only do guided meditation. Like the teacher, you know, just does a loving-kindness meditation or something, whatever, and everyone just follows it. But it never progresses beyond that. 
And it's kind of like a, an over-dependence on a, on a safe refuge. You're never actually learning the skills to go out there and swim yourself. Um, the other way to it, I think, in our kind of um, contemporary life that people can get stuck as well is through um, psychotherapy. You know, psychotherapy can help to heal um, unhealthy attachments and so on, you know, through unfortunate beginnings in life and so on. But then some people can stay in psychotherapy far longer than what, than what they need to. But they can never actually move away from that kind of parental figure that they can go back to, you know, to get that one-on-one -on -one kind of security. And it has its place, you know, in terms of in, in the development. But a lot of people would be, would, in my opinion, would be better served by once they've been through that and they've got a certain level of um, confidence um, to move on to something like a meditation practice. Um, where um, you're actually developing more autonomy, you know, and more freedom and more confidence in the way that you live your life. So, <clears throat> for better or worse, then encourages that kind of independence through these kind of statements. Mm -hmm. It's a kind of encouraging us to, to progress in the practice beyond just learning the philosophy and memorizing sutras and knowing all the ins and outs of Buddhism. It's taking us forward. Mm -hmm. And what it's always taking us forward into is in just simply into the present moment. Mm -hmm. um, and out of the refuge, not only the refuge of authority, but the refuge of our little self-centered dream as well. That's, we use that as a refuge too. Keep sort of going back to it, to the security. What happens when you when you settle into session? And the whole point of it is to um, to come back to a kind of an original um, selflessness. See, we all we all are caught up in a self-centered dream. We go back to it for refuge. But in session, we learn to let go of that false refuge. Um, and one of the ways to do it is to be is to be always coming back to the environment. Um, we're blessed in this place here to have such a wonderful environment to come back to, um, with the bird song and the and the sound of the insects. Um, Sometimes where we sit in North Sydney, it's coming back to the traffic, you know, that's just what it is in that environment. This is a softer one, um, in some ways a more musically interesting one. Um, but as you sit, just come back, just come back to hearing the, the bird song, you know, and the randomness of it, and the insects and the flies, mm -hmm. and just take it in. And by doing that, you're actually, you're not taking refuge in the self-centered dream. You're taking refuge just in the present moment as life as it is. If you don't do that, it's kind of like this week is like similar to, to paying a lot of money to go to a really good concert. And instead of listening to the music, you're thinking about paying your bills, do you know? 
and um, you know thinking about something that happened in the past that you have some resentment about. You're, never, you're not actually listening to the music. And to really to really get the most out of session, it's coming back and listening to the music of the environment and seeing it, taking it in. The more the um, self-centred referencing drops away, the more we come into our senses and it's like we're not preoccupied with this, we're out, we're out there in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, what comes with that, you know, in the beginning and along the way as well, <coughs> is a sense of seeking, you know, and in some ways seeking is something to be valued. Like when I was young, there's that philosophy student, there's a strong desire to seek for something. But, it's, but nevertheless, while you're still seeking something, you're still separate from it. That's where you've got to start. Um, that's what Bodhidharma, for instance, emphasised as well. If you're, still, if you're seeking for something outside of this moment, it's like you're still caught in a delusion because there's nothing outside of this moment that you need. But by, by seeking, we divide ourselves. You see this process happening in um, Cohen study, for instance, too. You're kind of seeking a, a resolution or response to the question. Um, but the way you find it is that you, you become the koan, like you become the seeker and the koan become one. Mm-hmm. When you're no longer separated from it, then two things come together. And koans are kind of a metaphor for the way we live our life. Whether you do koans or not, in the formal sense, doesn't matter. Life will throw up plenty of koans for you anyway. But we're seeking something, we're all of us seeking something beyond what, what the present moment is offering us. And we keep on seeking and seeking and seeking until we realise that to find, trying to find something outside of the moment is a dead end. And eventually we come into this moment. The seeking stops. There's nothing to find. It's already here. So in, in conclusion, to go back to those words, you know, when we meet the Buddha, we kill the Buddha. It's this, the cutting off of concepts, you know, it's putting the sword through concepts to kill, but it's the sword that gives life, not the sword that destroys, it's the sword that gives life, it kills to give life. Concepts deaden things. Mm-hmm. We can use them. We can use them after after we're actually there in the experience. Um, but if our mind is clouded with concepts of good and bad and success and failure and enlightenment and delusion, etc., etc., uh, we never we never hear the music. 